With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Orchamp TV. A welcome, welcome Libations Friday, Lucy Goosey edition of the program from the homestead today. Me and Tom, Tom at his house, me at my house. It'd be pretty funny if Tom were here at my house just sitting right next to me and we were both trying to squeeze in on camera for the folks watching on Warchant TV, but also be uncomfortable. So we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that at all. But we are talking sports with you, and that's a good thing. And oh, by the way, as we start the day today, this a Libations Friday, a welcome Libations Friday, as I said. I feel like I feel like this week's been long for all of us. You out there, I think you've had a long week. I can tell. I can tell. We're kind of just a little... We just need a respite for a moment. But you do realize that as we take the respite after today's show, it's 99 days. Tom, we're under 100 days until the start of college football, and we have plowed through that 100-day barrier yesterday. Like, normally, oddly, the countdown is a countdown to get to Yes, well done there. Hello, Richard Simmons. I see you. So normally, the countdown... He's like, oh, man, I can't wait till we're like 100 days away. We can finally tell everybody we're 100 days away. We kind of didn't even think about it. We've been so busy. We've been so busy with the transfer portal and the future acquisition of great assets like Keon Coleman. We've been, you know, time and again waiting for answers about roster retention and whether or not some big players were staying or going or how this team was going to be made up. Bottom line is, next thing you knew, we woke up, we had 99 days until college football starts. And this is a season that when it starts will be met with the kind of anticipation 2012 
had for all of us as Florida State fans. 2013 did, 2014 did. It's one of those kinds of seasons. I don't think you can argue that it's not. And in some ways, in some ways, it's more exciting. So, for example, if I were to tell you this, to me, is a more exciting season than what I was thinking about going into 2014. Maybe that's revisionist history. I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to the tapes. But I feel like it is because you had already climbed the mountaintop in 2013 and won the national championship and dominated college football. It couldn't get better than going out to Pasadena, going to the Rose Bowl, watching this team cash it in, having to do it in dramatic fashion. Once you finally did accomplish it, only added to your zeal for what the season was and in some ways made that year even better. Could have done without the near heart attack that we had out there in California, but nonetheless, they got that win done. 2014, you felt like you were protecting something, and I know teams and coaches like to say to people, we're not protecting anything. We're going to get it again. We're going to go dominate again. People have to come get us. We don't have to protect anything. We just got to go out there and continue. It's hard. It's not true, really. It's just not true. You are protecting something because you have it. You now have it. When you don't, you're yearning for it. You're hungry. You're striving. You're building towards something. And I always think that journey, although cliche and coaches love to talk about the journey, the truth is as fans, players, coaches, I think collectively it is better as you continue to build towards something. Now, listen, if you're good enough to retain said title the way the Lightning did, and you go to back-to-back-to-back Stanley Cup Finals, well, that's cool, too. Nobody's complaining about that. But I think the trek to the top is one that bonds people more than most things do in the world of sports. I ran into somebody last night. It was my son's jamboree, Tom. Leon played over there at Gene Cox Stadium, along with Childs and uh, Wakulla. Uh, And anyhow... Uh, I ran into somebody during the break in between games. Yeah, you play a half, and then somebody else plays a half. Well, Christy and I, my wife and I, left and went and had dinner. Ran into a couple people that listened to the show, and we were talking about the season. And, you know, it just made me realize just how excited everybody is. We were talking about the show from that day, and really this whole week's worth of shows that we've been talking about what's going on with Florida State and the ACC. So that's the added backdrop. Not only do you have the season coming up that we're so excited about, not only do you have a really good team that got better this week. Team got better this week, folks, with Keon Coleman committing to Florida State. So your team just got better, and they weren't even on the practice field, which is really cool. But not only did that happen, you got the announcement for the 7.30 kickoff primetime ABC, not shocking at all. But all these good things, for the most part, happened. And then you have all this drama regarding the conference, which is also something that fuels and, and, and is fodder for talk between you and me and every Florida State fan out there. Yeah, you've got the now and you've got the long-term future. Both of them are very compelling. I would agree with you if you're looking at, you know, 2013 versus 2014. 2014 was a year about results because you had already gotten the ultimate results. So it was just about winning the games. It was also, remember that trip out to Arlington, Dallas, was kind of like a coronation. It was the after party, it felt like, for the Noel fans. I forgot about that. You're right. And it felt that way for the first half of that game. And then, you know, this team or sorry, that team did what that team did, which is make every game close. Um, and and so you thought, all right, we're not wired exactly the same, but it's OK. They're going to fix those white gold helmets. They're going to get the gold numbers away. And then it was just week after week after week that you were on the edge of your seat. But that that run up to that season was not even close to the same. It wasn't. And I can speak with a little bit more authority on this situation as an undergrad during the lost decade. You know, when it was the 90s and it was the height of our power, 
you were there for all of that in yeah. your late teens and throughout your 20s. And it just was, this is who we are. This is who we are. Well, even though I grew up as an old fan in that time, I was in elementary school. When I finally got to go to this, this college, we never beat a rival at home in my four years here at Florida State. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Our best wins were over Clemson and Virginia Tech in my four years as a student. And neither of those two teams were ranked. So <laughs> it was lean times. So when we were on the rise, 2010 is one of my top three, four favorite seasons of all time because it was it was like that. It was about the journey. This past season is now amongst those because it was discovery. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's it, the discovery is the better part of the journey. I'm sure Georgia fans would agree. We have some of them in the chat, but I'm sure Georgia fans would agree that two years ago that title was far more special because of the drought than this past season's title. It's not that you would turn away a championship. But it's just different. And I will say also, if you like symmetry, of course, the threes, years ending in three, have been good to us. 93, 2013, it is 2023. And one of the semifinal games, one of the semis, man, this year in the college football playoff, is the Rose Bowl. Florida State could be back oh, in buddy. L.A. at the end of this season. Because oh, buddy. If they're a three seed, let's just say, you know, we know the nation doesn't love us. If they're a three seed and let's say a team from the Big Ten is a two seed, we're go we're not playing in, in the Sugar Bowl. We're going to go all the way out to the West Coast for a third time and play in that venue. It's funny when you talk about it. I remember for a very long time, you know, and I, I think about it now with the possibility, who knows, if Florida State goes back to the college football playoff, ends up somehow in the Rose Bowl again. Um. I would tell you as a kid and even later on, many years later, as I really kind of realized the lot, that's a bad way of describing it, but the lot that Florida State found themselves in, really any Southern team kind of found their their, their position. Um, it was one that never was going to allow you to play in the Rose Bowl. You, there would be no reason really to ever play in the Rose Bowl. And then it became a thing where maybe you had an outside chance when it was in the rotation that you happened to have a great year right when it was in the rotation for the title game, but a lot of things had to align and it just seemed so unlikely. And because I've been to every Florida state national championship game, wins and losses alike, you know, I never, I never thought we would go there. I never thought we would go there. So that was really the icing on the cake. And then to go out there twice, I know the second time was disappointing, but to go back out there was a thrill for me. And yeah, you know, I guess I kind of resigned myself after those two appearances that we would probably never go back out there again. And here you're giving me this kind of hope on a Friday. That's a good kind of hope right there, Tom Lang. It is. And and if again, symmetry. I'm not saying that Florida State is destined to go no. to the college football playoff this year. I'm not that silly. However, however, in our history, we went to the first BCS championship game. We yep. were in the last BCS championship game. We were in the first year of the college football playoff. This is the last year of the four-team college football playoff. We just seem to have a knack for these things. It's like the Tampa Bay Lightning when the NHL changes networks. The yeah. Lightning was the final game on ABC. They were the final game on NBC. So when this contract ends with TNT, I'm sure we'll be in the Stanley Cup Finals and hoisting the trophy. Well, now it's that we got our necessary rest and let others participate. you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in destiny, but it's written in the stars. <laughs> well... You know, it's not crazy. It's a, it's another moment where we're having a conversation about why it's not crazy to think that Florida State could could very well make the college football playoff. I mentioned yesterday on the show that I was on another show, and I was thinking about that. Uh, there was a fill-in host 
um, Dave Schultz, I believe his name was, um, for the king of college football. Uh, and uh, I was on, and he was he was interesting. I mean, he's a he's a Syracuse grad, and when we were just kind of talking about Florida State, and you could tell he was coming at it from a completely different perspective about you know what's reasonable for Florida State fans to expect this year. And, you know, Jeff, I've read where some people think they could be a college football playoff team. That seems awfully ambitious. And, you know, he wasn't saying it as a slight. I think it's just happened so quickly. I really think that the fault lies for people who don't recognize that Florida State is very much a candidate for this year's college football playoff. I mean, there's probably eight teams in any given year, six to eight teams, depending on the season, that you would say somebody is a candidate. And every now and then you get something that is very necessary for college football to thrive, and that is somebody come out of nowhere like TCU a year ago. I mean, TCU wasn't finished picked to finish in the top five of the Big 12, and there they were playing for a national championship, having won in the semis. So that was good for college football. I think it gave other people hope. Not that Florida State needs that. I'm just pointing it out. But I'd say that, like, if you're one of those people who's following college football and you're thinking about big picture, you're thinking about Georgia and you're thinking about Ohio State's receiving core and how they've churned out a good quarterback and good receivers year over year over year, and they're the class of the Big Ten along with now Michigan who's risen up. And then you're thinking about what USC has become with Caleb Williams and the proof was in the pudding with a Heisman Trophy and probably the most high-profile offensive coach in the game. Um, and Lincoln Riley. And so you you already know about them. And, you, you know, I, I don't know. You, you, you might think about an Oklahoma. You might think about a couple of other SEC teams like Alabama, obviously, uh, and LSU. But maybe people don't think about Florida State because of how down we really were and how the Jimbo era ended and how those wins didn't come, save for last year. And it's the first time that you re-enter the conversation and people aren't prepared to say, oh, welcome in. Oh, by the way, here's the playoff. Like, I don't think most people believe it happens that way. You know, most of the time you watch a team building to something and you say, wow, they won seven, then they won nine. They got that quarterback back. Holy moly, they're loaded on the defensive line. Yeah, I could see them winning 11 games this year. That's how that usually works. And we went from winning nothing, looking terrible, most of the time, we're in the headlines for the wrong reasons, all kinds of problems in terms of the COVID year. And, you know, you had the Wilson situation complaining about Norvell's email. And, I mean, just a lot of people looking for a state like, eh. And then all of a sudden, we were good. Yeah, it's more organic. Like, I, I was initially, I rebuffed when when you said, you know, what this Syracuse guy said. And he sounds very much like a Syracuse grad. Uh, I don't know why he would be hosting a college football show if he's a Syracuse grad and does not know about Florida State in the South, but I digress. USC's rise to power was had a lot more star power to it. It was Lincoln Riley and a, an all-world quarterback that everybody knew. So I'm sure it wasn't a stretch last year for this particular individual to say that USC could go immediately to the playoff. Of course, USC didn't. But Florida State's growth relative to a USC or something else like a Georgia the machine because they were a top-five recruiting wonder right out the gates with Kirby Smart. So you could kind of project that a little bit more. We've been a little bit more organic here if you're not dialed into what's going on with the program. Uh, yes, the transfer portal is a story, but these aren't five-star kids. We're not landing top three classes in, in each recruiting class. Mike Norvell has been here a little while, and he doesn't have the star power of a Lincoln Riley. So you, you don't think of him as an immediate threat 
to the balance of power in college football because he hasn't been to the playoff before. So I, I would see where a casual sports fan from a different time zone would be surprised by Florida State. However, if you're going to be in Atlanta on a college football-only show, you probably need to be aware that Florida State is knocking on the door, and we might be kicking it down this year. Yeah, and I think I think the thought was sort of a, you know, look, do we realistically expect them to go from winning 10 games this past year, their first winning season in some time, to vaulting themselves into a position to make the college football playoff along with Georgia, Alabama, and, you know, whether you want to say it's Michigan or whomever, Ohio State, whoever else you want to name. Um, I think right now Florida State is not on the tip of the tongue the way those teams are. And I think that's probably, you know, again, you you know, Florida State is a huge name in the world of college football. It's just that they haven't reemerged with any consistency. It's one year. They had one good year. It happened last year. It was very necessary to create stability, but it is just one year. And maybe you're not paying attention to the fact that Transfer portal-wise, they did it again. They did it again. I mean, this Keon Coleman get is a big get. It's a real big get. And I think that, you know, we'll see. They may end up adding to this group as well. Still probably looking for another safety out there, guys. I wouldn't be surprised if they added one before the fall uh, or when fall gets ready to get started there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to bring somebody in. I wouldn't be surprised if they were looking at two more players. So we'll see. You know, you don't want to add people just to add them. Yeah. And you already did add a safety. I understand that. But he's more of a a two, three-year project right now. Yeah, I I totally agree there. He's got the size. That gets fun. Uh, He could be one of those hybrid players closer to the line of scrimmage, given that he's well over six feet tall, Ashley Barker. Uh, But when you're talking about two players, do you mean a safety in a different position? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just making sure to clarify there. Yeah, Uh, I I think they'd be looking to add a safety and then maybe, maybe, either a defensive end or a linebacker. Yep, that that checks the box. That makes sense. And that should, based upon the unofficial math that we've all done, Ira had a long story about it a few weeks ago, that should put Florida State right at the 85, unless somebody graduates this, you know, upcoming semester. Is it already done? I'm so out of touch with Florida State. I think we already had graduation. A week yeah, I think graduation already happened. I remember there was a day of driving hell. That's so, right. That's right. I actually yeah. went to go pick up dinner on a Friday early. Yeah, like, what is going on here? Well, they said, good thing you did, because if you got here an hour later, we'd say, no, we'll see yeah. you next week. Uh, so maybe somebody, you know, jets at that point, and then you could bring in a third player. But I think two is, is the right number. It's just that I, what, where I where I do take offense is we go through this exercise every year where, and you've already brought it up, you look at the half dozen teams that can compete, or maybe eight in a given year, but you, yeah. you try and find where is the line of a team with either the schedule strength, it's weak, you know, or the out-of-conference opportunity early in the season that could catapult them in the conversation later in the year. And the line is typically drawn somewhere between five teams, as few as five, to as many as eight. If you did that exercise anywhere else in the country right now and you were looking at rosters returning quarterbacks, these other power teams don't have that. Florida State does. We would absolutely be on your short list of teams that could make the playoff. Does that mean that we're a lock to make the playoff? I'm not asking for people around the country to say that. That's crazy. We still have something to prove, a lot to prove. But if you look at Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson and Georgia, they're all breaking in new quarterbacks this year. This is why, relative to the oligarchy that is college football, this is a great year to make a four-team playoff if you're Florida State. If we had Jordan Travis, if we had the same team coming back last year, 
and we didn't know what Alabama was going to be, but they had Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud was there and Clemson's situation wasn't what it was. And, and Stetson Bennett was back. I don't know. That's a pretty crowded room that we're trying to get into this year. You've got kind of an inside track a little bit. So uh, that's what I, all I'm saying is if you're in a different part of the country, we should definitely be a part of this segment of who could make the playoff this year. Well, if you recall going back to immediately following the national championship game, the following week or thereabouts, typically you have the sleigh ball and other pieces that come out. That was ESPN. The athletic did one. I think the ringer did one CBS sports did one collectively. We put them all together and we start looking at the way too early top 25 for next year. It pretty much consensus. And I get it to beat the cha- to be the champ. You got to beat the champ. You know, Georgia was everybody's number one, even though they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. Um, but so you had Georgia, you had Ohio state on that list again, because of the receiving core and really doesn't seem to matter who they roll out there at quarterback. They have a good one every year with that group. So credit to what they've done up there. Uh, Michigan was in that ranking. Alabama is always going to be somewhere in there at four, three, two, one, five worst case scenario. But we were in Schleybaugh's top four. We were number four on his list. And I looked around and kind of pieced together some others before today's show. And, you know, Tom, you look at it. There's, there's a few Penn States out there. There's plenty of USC's out there. There's some LSU's out there. And then from there, you kind of get into the, I don't know, is Oregon with Bo Nix coming? You know, like, is that going to happen? Is LSU, uh, is, um, is there another team outside of this? Does Tennessee keep it rolling? There's, um, there's a lot of thought that that system with this new kid who's coming in is going to be just as fierce offensively. Yeah. yeah. So does Tennessee keep it rolling? They could be a team that you'd put out there. I think if you're a college football fan, if you're a college football fan, you'd love 11 or 12 teams to be on this list. So if you're going to include Tennessee, then I'm going to include Washington because lest we forget Washington went 11 and two last year, by the way. Uh, and they have their all world quarterback coming back and a bunch of star studded receivers. I don't know. Would you put TCU back in that list? I mean, so (laughs) I don't think so either, but you get, I think you can get to like 11. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And with our opportunity with LSU, you know, you win that first game of the season, you jump to the front of the line and you can absorb, you will get the SEC treatment. If you beat LSU to start the year, you will get the SEC treatment where one loss, no big deal. But you got to win that game in order to get the SEC treatment from the college football playoff committee. Yeah, he went two and zero against the SEC last year. Yep, and three and zero if you're going to count Oklahoma, soon to be SEC. And then, of course, you get Florida again this year, and we like our chances in that game right now as we sit here today on uh, May the nineteenth. Um, but we we also, you know, I mean, it's a coin flip game with LSU. I can't, you know, I know we're 99 days. So I started the show with we're 99 days away from the start of college football. And that's awesome. And it is awesome. I let that kick around for a second. I mean, we're less than a hundred days, but that's three months, guys. We're playing college football in three months. Let's go. All right. So that said, um, I don't have a feel and I want a feel. I want my gut to say, here's the deal, man. Now I had it wrong last year. And I was really happy to be wrong. I thought LSU would beat Florida State last year. I did not project Jordan Travis's huge leap forward, his pre-snap in particular. They threw the kitchen sink at him. Halfway through that game, I was texting you from the press box. Holy moly, they're throwing everything at this kid. And he is cool, calm, and collected. 
He knows what's coming before it happens. If this is the Jordan Travis we're going to get this year, Katie bar the door, they could win a lot of games. You know, we got all excited that in that moment, I had to see it. I had to see it. I was one of those a-holes who needed to see it to believe it. Um, there were some people who were, oh, I knew it. Okay, great. Good for you. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I knew some other things, but I didn't know that, and I got it wrong. Well, now I'm out in front of the bus here, baby. I'm all on. Let's go. That kid's great. They're loaded. They're balanced. They can keep defenses on the field because of the diversity of personnel. We talk about it every day. I think this offense is going to be one of the three or four most explosive offenses in the country in terms of points and yards and all these sorts of things. They can beat you any way that you want to play it. I'm all in. I'm just waiting around, waiting to see if we have a championship defense. I'm just, do you have a defense in the modern game that is very different than the way it used to be? It's not defined by giving up 10 points or 7 points or 14 points. Can you hold everybody you play to 24 points or less just about? Because if you can, this offense is always going to score more than that, and you're going to win. Yeah, 24 is a great number to have a goal for. I'm sure that they want to shoot for 17 or 14. Well, they can shoot for that. I want 24. I, I, I mean, that would be great if I – I just if, don't think they're going to be good enough in the secondary. Yeah, percentage chance we go undefeated if we give up 24 points or fewer in every one of our 12 games. Damn high. 80? 85? 80, 90, 80, I, I said 80%. Yeah. Yeah. You could lose a, you know, you could lose a shootout, certainly. You, I mean, you could lose a defensive-minded well, game. I mean, if, yeah, or you uh, could have a, a weather game like Ohio State did last year. Was that Northwestern? I forget. No, it was crazy, right? It came down to the yeah. wire, and yeah, yeah. It was just a you can see we're in pit. It's just, you know, it's that the heavens open up and yeah. you know it's it's a slop fest and it's 21-20, you know, in the final quarter or something. Yeah, no, you can, games like that are kind of hard to predict as we sit here now. And and so, yeah, there's usually one that comes up or you just have an off day on offense and the next thing you know, you're holding on for dear life. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think you could project around 80% chance that they would go 12-0 and in the regular season. If they give up 24 points or less in every game they play this year, that's 24 points or less to LSU. That's 24 points less on the road against Clemson. That's 24 points or less in the AC. Well, I didn't say the ACC championship game, but, you know, yeah, I mean, against Florida on the road, against Miami here, against whomever. Yeah, I. Yeah, certainly the Miami game. I mean, my God, <laughs> 24 points. I think we'd be calling for a defensive coordinator's head. Goodness well, gracious. It's a pressure packed year for this defense. They got to take a big step forward because I think the offense, I think we just know the offense will. It's Jeff Cambridge, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, 
I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. You know, it's funny. I saw there are articles that have come out in the last couple of days with all of the momentum that we were just referencing a moment ago for this Florida State football program. And what people are seeking to do now is going back and talking about the comments that were made about Mike Norvell and what he was as a coach or was he in over his head. And then, you know, if you click, if you go Let's say it, it's an article written by a reputable site, okay, Tom? And you find, you see the link on Twitter. All you got to do to gauge the fear of our rivals is look how quickly the comments underneath the link to the article become, he's been a loser. He had back-to-back-to-back terrible seasons like they exaggerate the number of bad seasons they exaggerate they they somehow link florida state's awful play at the end of jimbo fisher's time and the two years with willie to mike and say well florida state hasn't been relevant in five years they've had one winning season in that time how is mike are we supposed to apologize for not falling at the feet of mike norvell it's just it's awesome it's petty it, it's, you know, let me ask you this question. A mutual friend of ours admitted to me earlier this week, we were talking and I said to him, you know, I, I, I'm still feeling good about Keon Coleman. Do you? And uh, he said, yeah, I do. I still feel really good. I feel good enough that I saved a tweet from uh, another program 
um, to go back so I could be petty. And I, and I said, okay. And I started thinking about that. You know, I'm 51 years old and I have saved right now nine different recent takes from different sites, from writers and talking heads on those sites regarding Mike Norvell and his prowess as a coach. I don't rep Mike Norvell. He doesn't need me to. The man's a football coach who's paid extremely, extremely well. Yep. But I don't suffer fools. And one of the things that we talked about, even in the five and seven campaign, was that while mistakes have been made, I think Mike Norvell is a good football coach. He may be a good football coach who ends up getting fired. And there were retorts to that. There were people who were like, well, that just that doesn't happen. I'm like, well, yes, it does all the time. And there are lots of instances in which that's proven out. But moreover, you just don't want to believe it because you've decided he's not. So if you have to go back and repair a narrative or apologize or say I was wrong, it's too much for you. We get a lot wrong in sports. Everybody does. It's a fluid deal. You know, when we talk about, and that's something that you learn over time, when we talk about coaches or quarterbacks, you know, you're probably most wrong about those two things in the history of sport than anything else. Because quarterbacks, a lot of times, it's where they go. It's the coaching staff they're with. It's the players around them. Football, as we say, is the ultimate team game. I'm not saying you can't have an opinion about a quarterback. You should. It's what makes sports fun. I've got an opinion about every college quarterback that comes out. So do you. And share it. Just do so with the knowledge you're going to be right about a couple of them and you're going to be really wrong about a couple of them. Because not even the GMs know. If they did, they'd never get fired. Yeah, and sports wagering would be the easiest thing in the world. They wouldn't have it because you'd always win. Uh, yeah, it, you know, and a great example of a quarterback in a situation is the one that we've got right here. Yeah. It's not for Mike Norvell or Kenny Dillingham and or because Kenny played a big part in this for Jordan's development from the darkest days to putting him on a path. You got to give Kenny credit for that. Jordan Travis is a name that we don't talk about ever, ever. We don't know about him. He doesn't exist in this sphere of the conversation, but because he came to Florida state for Willie, but then the transition happens and these two gentlemen arrive in his life at that point in time. We now know who Jordan Travis is, and so do futures betters for the Heisman. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing about you just need a break. It's That's why we love sports, because it's so easy to tie to life. Anybody who's ever made it across the board. Caught a break. Even the Silver Spooners, because they were bored into it. That's the break that they caught was birth. You know, somebody always catches a break. You know, I, Matt Millar gave me mine. Uh, obviously you were a part of that as we transitioned from the AM dial to the FM dial. I got the second break, but the first break was Matt Millar picked up the phone when I wanted to do an, a Q and a for mm -hmm. a college project at Dr. Rainey's mass media sports and society class. He answered the questions and he said, show me the paper. That was my break. You know, that Jordan Travis had his too. It was that Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham resonated with him when he thought about quitting the game. He didn't want to play anymore. And he and they he stuck it out because of the message that he heard, and now look at him. That's why it's unpredictable, though. If, by the same token, it's what you're talking about. It's why it's unpredictable for a coach. Sometimes a coach is good, but he needs a really good player, and they end up winning a draft lottery in the NBA. Like Greg Popovich is now not retiring. 
magically because they have the number one overall pick. He might add another wing to his legacy because this might be the, the kickstart of something for the San Antonio Spurs. Tom Brady arrives because of an injury to Drew Bledsoe. How much are we talking about Bill Belichick as the greatest coach in NFL history? We might talk about him as a great coach, but is he the greatest in the history of the NFL without Tom Brady arriving through Drew Bledsoe's injury? No. It's the same thing with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and Steve Young. I mean, Bill Walsh is defined, rightfully so, by football coaches over the ages as a genius. He invented an entire offense that we still use elements of to this day. There's no denying his genius. Help that Jerry Rice and Joe Montana ran it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, like Belichick might be Bill Parcells or Joe Gibbs, but he wouldn't be Bill Belichick without right. this guy. Yeah. And it was total happenstance. Did he draft him? Yeah. Like at the end of the draft, when he's already in his car driving home, he's like, yeah, let's take that guy. That's fine. Sixth round. Yeah. 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 So it, sometimes it's fickle and you just need that one bounce to go your way or that one decision to be made. And it changes well, your fortune forever. And specifically to, to, to Norvell and our dumbass rivals, you 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 just barely need to do a little bit of work here. So my man wins and wins big at Memphis. Okay, so you you've got some coaching acumen stuff there that you can go and look at and see. Okay, successes. But then you know from there, if you'd like, you cannot then hold season one of a COVID year on the heels of being the third head coach in four years. Okay, so you've come in now at the end of Jimbo's nightmare where he, Jimbo Fisher, who's won a national championship, has a losing season. He leaves with a losing season. Odell ends up having those wins at the end of the year that gets us to seven and six, all right? But Jimbo left five and six, right? So that's it. That's a losing season for him. You bring in Willie. It doesn't work. Willie makes some mistakes that I didn't see coming. It's unfortunate. Don't need to relitigate that, but it was a disaster. So you have further disorganization, no resolution to the cultural problems that Jimbo left Willie. They just carry over for another two years. So now we had three years of a bad locker room and no wins. And now we have a pandemic, which is not the same for everybody who take who took new jobs at their new locations. Those situations are all different. What rivals will do in order to discredit Mike Norvell is lump him in as having the same situation that they had at Arkansas or Michigan State or anybody that had success in the COVID campaign, right? From there, the five and seven year, you're right if you want to raise an eyebrow and ask serious questions about Mike after the Jacksonville State loss. You, You should. You should. There are two things that I would say stand out as really ugly on Mike Norvell's resume. There's a lot of good things, too, and there's about to be a lot more good things, okay? But if we're looking big picture, totality, having a real conversation about Mike, you would say it is pretty unforgivable what happened in the Jacksonville State game. Like, to this day, you if you're still pissed about that, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm still pissed about it. It's humiliating. It should have never happened. It's the hallmark of bad coaching. It's the kind of stuff you see other teams do and go, oh, my God, I'd think about firing him. Admittedly, that that's like it was that bad, all right? And the only other thing that I'd point to is the assessment 
of the quarterback situation and bringing in a one-footed quarterback and and seeing the evidence that he's not right and still insisting on starting him and allowing for that to happen. You know, like that I get you take a flyer on a kid that was a Heisman candidate at UCF. From a distance you say, "Okay, if he can get right, that's a kid who's proven it on the field that he can play." Agreed. No problem with taking the flyer. But then he gets here and man, you and I watched it. Everybody did. I know he had one 12 play series against Notre Dame that made you believe in a game, but he never looked good in practice. Not from day one ever. Correct. Kinsey Milton never looked good. His arm was pathetic. He couldn't move. He had that one little moment in time where the, the competitor in him came out and he made a few throws in the Notre Dame game. But then there was overwhelming evidence he couldn't play in the other games. And yet you still did that. The Wake Forest game ends up happening, Tom. So those two moments, ugly as it gets, blights on a resume, would make you really question the acumen. But really, you cannot group all that other stuff. You can just grab those two things. Because from there, as he immature at times, as he grows as a coach, I think so. I see a couple of moments like that. But his players love him. They play hard for him. They believe in the messaging. And this program continues to get better by the day. They go out and win 10 games last year. The offense is always prepared. The game plans are always good. Now they're getting to players to go execute and win some games. I really just don't see them going backwards anytime soon. I think the next assessment, real assessment of Mike, is going to be not can he coach, is he the right guy? I think now we're all out of place, and if our rivals were being truthful, they would admit, yeah, yeah, he's doing a good job. He's begrudgingly, I got to tell you, he's doing a good job. That's what they would say if they were being honest. Okay, we've gone from that to, okay, he's a good football coach. Can he be great? Can he be great? Can he make the tough decisions with expectations that are going to be sky high from this point forward? They ain't going backwards, guys. They won 10 games last year. They're going to win 10 games again this year. Worst case scenario, nine. The, the five and seven is in the rear view. That's not happening anytime soon. So when you get to this level, and you know this, Tom, when you, and I do this a lot, I like to remind people, when we get to 10-win type teams, all that's left is to win it. Yeah. So can you go from there to there, way up there? Not everybody can, and we'll see. That will be the next referendum. Yeah, there are a couple of decisions you can make along the way, but at some point the players need to put you over the top as well. Uh, that happened with Jimbo. Um, you know, nobody would classify him as a great coach, uh, but he did produce 29 straight through a lot of awesome, awesome jobs behind the scenes, recruiting-wise, then obviously the offense. He found the right guy to run and, and think like he does. So you get full credit for that. But you could be a good coach and win a title. You know, great coaches are consistently – in the conversation over and over. Dabo, you have to give it to him. He's a great coach at the NCAA level. He is. They have been in the playoffs seemingly every year since it started in 2014. So it's that consistency that rewards you with the title. We can't know if Mike Norvell is going to be a great coach this year. But what I can know, and I've got more gripes with him than, than you do, but I think he, he gets the overwhelming amount of it right. The overwhelming amount of what it takes correct. 
The inconsistencies on fourth down, I want to see that now that you've got players. The inconsistencies in the decision-making and what you do. I'm not talking about kick versus don't kick. I'm talking about when you decide to go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. So that's something that was alarming to me when we were on the way up. But you could say incomplete grade, Tom, because we're not good enough. And he knows that. Yeah. And so he's coaching towards that. Okay, well, now we are good enough. Does your decision-making change at that pinch point? Because that can be something that changes the flow of everything in terms of the momentum of the game, field position, and all that kind of stuff. And then goal line, I want to see some closure there. If we were much better on the freaking goal line last year against LSU, Fabian Lovett never gets hurt. And maybe, just maybe, in those three games that you lost to ranked opponents, you win one or two of them because Fabian Lovett is not hurt. So it's these little things that I want to see because yeah. once yeah. you're good enough, it gets to the I, – I, we're saying the same thing about – Instead of great, I'm saying details. It, the, the details are what puts you over the top. Yeah, and, and, and that's where we're at now in terms of judgment. The referendum changes. It's not whether or not you're good enough, the right guy, can you coach. You know, No, those are that's all gone. That's all gone. It's, it's good. It's a settled issue. Yeah, can you be great? That's all I need to see now. Can you get us to the next level? And obviously until you do – there will be a debate about that it, 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 amongst the fan base and everybody else who watches college football. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Back off that real quick in a short segment before we get into hour number two on a libations Friday. Um, I, I think we we're just talking about judging Mike, and it's funny to hear the fear, see the fear on social media that our rivals have right now, knowing that Florida State has taken a huge step forward. Um, you know, credit to a couple of Miami guys yesterday uh, or this week when Mike Norvell pulled Keon Coleman. Um, you know, you had some people out there like, hey, Manny. You know, or or, or hey, Mario. Uh, Mario. I said, Manny, I'm making a DS. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mario, they just steady adding really good players up there in Tallahassee. What is it you say you do here? <laughs> like they're starting to get a little frustrated. They're in a similar boat that Florida State fans were in when when Mike had that terrible season where everybody's like, eh, eh, I don't know, I can't blame you. Uh, soon enough, we'll we'll know a little bit more. But I, I would like to see some signs of life. That's where that's where Miami's at right now. I, I would say the good news for Miami is that they got the quarterback back who hates playing at home. That, <laughs> that's the really good news. That kid, you know, he, he might he might like road games more than home games because they're a real college football atmosphere. But at least you got that kid there. 
to play in what is tantamount to an NFL preseason week three game. In terms of the the problem is he's Tyler Van Dyke can be a good player and they did change their offensive coordinator. And now I'm nervous that they'll go ahead and rekindle some of the magic we saw from two years ago with him. I wish he had moved on out of pure frustration of playing before nobody and a bunch of losses mounting and constantly being put in bad positions by his coordinator. I wish he had decided it was enough to move it on down the road because I actually think he's pretty good. Yes. Or at least he can be. Uh, that potential is definitely there. I, I would have liked to have seen him move to a, a, a weird school that you know maybe was on the brink of winning you know the Pac-12 or something and what that kid would do in a fresh setting or just follow Rhett Lashley and kick ass because those two saw the world the same way when it comes to between the, the, the sidelines. Man. I really wanted him to transfer to Houston. I feel like that people go to Houston when they want to not matter at all, but feel like they do. Like that's a, like you go to Houston and everybody goes, Oh, Houston, that's, you know, that program. And then we never really, you know, it's just Houston. You're like, eh, they're not doing anything. Fortunately, the opposite was true for a basketball transfer from Houston to us, but <laughs> I agree. It, he, it felt like, you know, SMU Houston somewhere, just go dominate out there. I just, I got to be honest. I don't know what they have from a skill position standpoint anymore. Will Mallory's finally gone, isn't he? He's got to be 85. He had to have aged out. Yeah, and he wasn't great. They're good at running back. Is their offensive line any good? We'll find out because we're going to put him to the test. That's well, the, the problem is the, the problem they have is that the weakest unit on the field is their secondary. They can't cover anybody, and they have to play us. <laughs> that, is, that is a problem. I yeah. mean – it is a problem that we are on the schedule for them this year. Yes. I mean, yeah, you don't. This is a bad year to have a really weak secondary and have to face Florida State. That's a that's a tough go. It's a bad year to have a bad anything on defensive face. If you've got a bad defensive front, that's your ass. If you got bad linebackers, you're screwed. If you got a bad secondary, oh well. I mean, that's where we are. It's a beautiful thing. I like sitting back and doing pregame shows with you, my friend, talking about in which capacity do we want to exploit this massive advantage? It's like, how do we want to go about destroying this opponent? Hour number two forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.